Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. And good morning to you. How are you doing this morning, JJ? <laughs> um, it's a Saturday morning. I, I think <laughs> this is my second one, right? My second Saturday. I know. Ev- yeah, you've uh, you've been a little bit of a stranger in these parts, but it's, I'm reminded uh, it's nice. of why it's so hard for me to do this. Uh, <laughs> well, it's always nice to have you. I'm glad. Thank to, you. Uh, glad to have a chance to chat with you this morning before uh, we chat again this evening. <laughs> me too. Very excited about it.
How's your uh, how's your movie life been? Anything new and exciting going on? So you may or may not have heard if you've been listening to Trailer Rewind and uh, the Cuban Fury episode that we did that I my big thing for my movie life is going to sound really like not exciting uh, is that I, <laughs> re- I picked up uh, Harold and Maude from the library because oh, I yes, had never right. seen it before. Um, and that was a really interesting thing. And I think that, you know, most people have seen it. So it's like not interesting, but um, I, it was a blind spot for me and it's a very, very interesting, strange movie. Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, just kind of a, a very interesting, uh, love story is what it is. And uh, it's, it's one I've always been partial to. Um, I just, I, I really, uh, love the characters, I am a bit of a fan of Cat Stevens, so having yeah. his music constantly on the soundtrack, I think is is just really great. Uh, the casting is just superb. You know, I uh, and uh, um, what's her name? The um, why am I blanking on uh, uh, Ruth oh, Gordon? Um, Ruth Gordon. Yeah. Yep. I think that she is just brilliant, and Bud Court, of course, is great. Now, I'm a big fan of Hal Ashby uh, as a director, so uh, yeah. Well, and from a directing standpoint, it's really remarkable. I feel like it kind of so for me, it was recommended to me as like a a kind of Genesis movie for comedy, which I don't know that I would agree with that, but I'm kind of tough for comedy anyway. But um, what I felt like, I felt like it was kind of like a super inspirational piece for someone like Wes Anderson. Um, and then it, it, it reminded me of like, if Wes Anderson made the graduate, um, that (laughs) would be Harold and Maude to me. Um, so it it was, it was really interesting. Um, I didn't find it, you know, world changing, which wasn't, you know, probably because I've seen all this stuff that it's inspired, right. Because it took me so long to see it. But, um, but I thought the music cues were spectacular. And I thought from a direct, from a directing standpoint, it was really, it, it was special. And to see a movie of that time period, uh, have so much creatively done with camera and story, visual storytelling, I thought was really special too. Um, but the, but unfortunately I it just felt really weird to me. <laughs> I wasn't able to really kind of make <laughs> an emotional connection with it because I was kind of just, I was trying to read probably too much into it. I wasn't just kind of sitting there for the experience, but I, I think it was a really special movie and strange that I didn't know that it was, as artful as it is. It's not marketed as like an art film. I mean, I watched the graduate, I watched the graduate in high school as an example of what you could do with the film medium. Uh, but no one ever talked about Harold and Maude, which is a shame because I, I think that there's really some just uh, great stuff going on in there. And again, Hal Ashby, I think as a director, um, tell, uh, he, he tells a really interesting story here. And I think through his career, he made a lot of really, uh, great personal films that I, I think were all incredibly artful. I think he's absolutely a director that is is worth talking more about and examining. And oh, it's uh, a series. It's I, a series it might idea. be. It might be. I think we've only talked about being there on the show. That's that's. Uh, I think that's the only Hal Ashby film we've uh, discussed. So there's certainly more to chat about. Yeah. Definitely. How about yeah. you? What's going on in your movie life? You know, it's been so slow in my movie life. I've just not been um, not been catching much lately. Um, but in the last uh, in the last few days, I have finally started trying to play Oscar catch up um, because I've been so drastically behind on watching anything uh, that was nominated for this past round of Oscars. So I finally watched the animated film Loving Vincent. Uh, I, don't I don't know, know if it. you heard about it, but. It's it's an amazing amazing film. Um, the, it's it's basically kind of a a, a, a film about um, Vincent Van Gogh, 
And, oh, okay. uh, but, but technically it's kind of exploring his last week before he killed himself a year after the fact in a very kind of Rashomon type of style as this, mm-hmm. as this guy is trying to deliver this last letter that uh, Vincent had written to his uh, brother's widow. Wow. Um, and um, it, as a story, it's like, you know, it's, it was, it was interesting. I never fully was invested in it. Uh, you know, I had some issues with the story, but the thing that really is amazing about the film is the entire film is hand painted, hand oil painted. Um, every single frame of the film is an oil painting and they did it in kind of a Van Gogh style. And um, it was like one of the most breathtaking things to watch because you're constantly feeling like every frame could be paused and it could be just a painting on a wall. I mean, it was just stunning to look at. So yeah, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it was it was really um, a wild thing just to imagine that somebody decided to let's do the whole thing in oil painting in Van Gogh style. It's like, yeah. Wow. Right. Well, so that so was it, uh, it won that the was Oscar, I assume. It, it, it did not. No, no, Coco oh. did. Yeah, Coco <laughs> still beat it out. Um, and Coco's and, you know, good, again, but, the, but well, a lot of it still goes special, to storytelling, right? I think. Yeah, Coco, oh, I think, okay. is it's you know, um, a lot of times when the, the best films win, it's it's popularity and um, and I think storytelling. And that was, I think, one of the weaker parts of Loving Vincent. I think it's an interesting oh. story, but I never was like invested in the story as much as I wanted to be. Got it. So it was more of the what they're going to do with the animation. That makes sense. But uh, but still, it's definitely worth checking out because it's uh, you know it's just you know it's just mind blowing to think that they did that. So yeah, yeah, that's special. Well, and it got a nomination, so you it know did. they're yeah. they're showing that that it is a special thing. Absolutely done. cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, hope I'm hoping uh, to really start uh, kicking it in, and you know I've put a bunch of the uh, now they're finally all getting released. I just I haven't been able to make it to the theater much lately. The movie theater near me, um, it's one of these silly movie theaters that, you know, I live in the wrong part of town, apparently. And they basically <laughs> close after like the, you know, the, like the six or seven o'clock movie is like the last movie of the evening. So I can never sneak out to a late show um, oh. un- unless I drive like an extra half hour to the next theater. It's like, ugh, come on, guys. Yeah. So I, I'm a late move show guy. So, yeah, that's all I can make it to because of the family and everything. It's right. just it's hard, you know, with uh, with homework and and activities and bedtimes and stuff. It's like, you know, unless it's a nine o'clock show, I just can't get out to it. So definitely. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that's, and that's what did you see? So we were doing ready player one tonight. Did you see the late show of that this week? No, I actually didn't because the family wanted to see that one. So I took them to, uh, to the, uh, the six o'clock show in IMAX 3d last night. So, Whoa, 3d. I'll have lots of questions for you about that tonight. Yes, I, I'm looking forward to chatting more about it, and I, I do want to sneak out again and see it in uh, in Dolby Atmos, um, especially after a conversation with uh, Andy Nelson, the re-recording yeah. mixer, um, who worked on it, and just uh, and having seen it now, um, I, I just feel like you know the soundscape in there was was pretty strong, and I feel like mm-hmm. the Atmos experience is probably going to be pretty amazing. So, are you going to see it before we talk about it tonight in Atmos? No, I won't have a chance. Got, so, because yeah. I had some major theater problems with it. Oh, no. In, in because pati- you saw it in Atmos? Pati- no, uh, in, in regular, but particularly with sound, uh, my theater was really weak. In terms oh, no. Of so, yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that tonight, too. But that's, yeah, it's, um, I think, I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous that it, that it colored some of my opinion of the film because it was so uh, weak. Wow. It's, it's like quiet. Even. You 
check it so, again. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, it doesn't sound like you'll get a chance, but um, no. I mean, in the IMAX, I, I mean, that's already a great sound system, and it was pretty uh, expansive sound. Like, I, I had a, a great time in the in the world of the sound in that film. Nice. So I, I have a feeling that Atmos will just kick it up an extra notch, too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and that's super important. Oh yeah, that's a, it's a huge thing that will really co- like you said it does color your experience with a movie. If you have bad sound or quiet sound or something's off, absolutely. You don't realize how much it matters until it sucks. And then it's like <laughs> exactly. Oh, that was supposed to be right. more important. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Oh, man, that's frustrating. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's all right. It'll be it'll be good conversation fodder for us tonight on the film board. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's uh, let's jump into trailers, shall we? Okay. Excellent. I think, uh, well, neither of us are really, we don't have the A24 rule. We don't have the red band rule. I came so close to pulling an A24 because there's a great new A24 trailer, but I, I couldn't uh, do it because I saw another trailer I had to go with. But um, do you want to kick it off rule? or you want me to kick it off? What's the rule uh, about it? Whoever picks the A24 trailer gets to go first when we're having our trailer <laughs> conversation. Likewise, the red band rule is whoever gets... Uh, brings in the red band trailer gets to go first no nope. the, the rule we decided last time is because two of us had a24 trailers uh there's the a24 cancel factor where if two of you have it then they're canceled <laughs> out and the other person gets to go first so oh my gosh i know so it's many unwritten rules. a whole series of these unwritten rules that we keep coming up with it's pretty fantastic okay well i'll kick it off mine is not a24 but i wanted to talk about uh deadpool 2 and the reason well i want to talk about it for lots of reasons just because i think deadpool was a transformative film uh in terms of superhero movies, the original one. And I think uh, it's Deadpool two is coming out at a time. that's really interesting for what's happening in comic books. I, I I'm still super surprised that none of you guys have talked about this on, uh, on the sat mat, but the new trailer for Deadpool just came out and it's a little bit more uh, descriptive uh, and it shows a whole lot more of what's happening in the film. That being said, it's still shrouded in a lot of secrecy what's being done in the film and what characters are going to be released in the film. So when you get um, the Deadpool 2 trailer, you see a whole lot more of X-Force, which is what they're going to bring out here. And but they even if you go to IMDb and you list and you look at the characters that are listed, there's only a small sampling there. There's a huge number of uh, actors that are listed without their role listed. So um, they're still keeping a lot of things close to the vest about what's actually coming out as a part of Deadpool 2. So that's really interesting because X-Force is one of these interesting titles in the comic book world that is where the reason that Marvel first introduced the Avengers was because it had such flexibility in the way that it could approach uh, bringing in different characters. So as they set up the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they had all this ability to bring in a character like Spider-Man, who's not really technically an Avenger, but he, everyone at some time or another in the Marvel comic book universe has been an Avenger. I mean, even Wolverine, like these major X characters, because it's this kind of catch-all title. Well, X-Force kind of works like that in the X universe in that when it started, it was a one lineup that included some of the new mutants it included some of the, some of the X-Men It included all this, but then it changed over time. And the interesting thing about it is that in this new trailer, you see the, um, the bad guy that, or the new character that they're introducing. And that's cable. Um, uh, cable is played by Josh Brolin <laughs> uh, and he's being <laughs> depicted in the, this new trailer as the bad guy in Deadpool two. 
which is really interesting because then you have the Marvel, the big Marvel movie in now it's in April. It was going to be in May, but Infinity War, which is the culmination of all the Avengers movie where Josh Brolin actually plays the big bad guy in that too. He plays Thanos. So now you have these competing Marvel movies with two big bad guys and, um, and everybody's wondering like, is it okay that he's playing both? I think that, you know, it's kind of opening the door for something that could be a crossover between the two, although Thanos and Cable are not in any way linked <laughs> in the in the Marvel comic book universe. But Cable is this really interesting transition character in the X universe where he's actually a time traveler. He's Cyclops's son from the future that comes what? back. Yeah. Holy Nathan cow. Summers. And credited as such on the IMDb page for Deadpool 2. It says um, Nathan Summers slash Cable, played by Josh Brolin. So that's opening that door. Now, X-Force 1, I, I have the, the initial, like, from the comic book world, I had a subscription when it first came out. So I was a big fan of the first stuff that came out. Cable was actually the leader of X-Force when it started. So Cable started out as a good guy. And Deadpool actually was introduced to the Marvel comic book universe as a villain for X-Force. So you get this whole, they're mashing it up over at Fox, right? With their X titles because they can and they're being smart about what they're doing it. But then also you had this huge move in the last year where uh, Disney came in and sort of, uh, I wouldn't say railroaded, but really kind of assumed Marvel has assumed all of the all of the Marvel titles and has more effect on it now. So you see this is a huge move from something that's been extremely successful with Fox to like Marvel, Marvelize what's happening with Deadpool. And I think there's a lot of positivity coming out here. If you look at Ryan and Reynolds' IMDb page, um, you'll see that Deadpool 3 has already been announced. X-Force has already been announced. Um, and he's in all of them. So they're lining up to do this. And I'm super excited about it because I thought Deadpool, again, was transformative, really special. And I'm really excited for this. I think the new trailer will get you excited. And if you are a comic book person, it'll get you excited for the Easter eggs. Uh, and for lack of a different word, of things that are going to come out in Deadpool too. I, I really agree. I mean, Deadpool was just such a great experience and such a surprising experience. I had so much fun with that. Um, and I, I'm glad that, that uh, they were able to pull that off because through the success of that, they realized, Hey, maybe we can do an R rated film with Wolverine. And so, uh, we ended up getting, uh, Logan out of that and, uh, right. Thank the stars that we did because that is just uh, just one of my faves, um, and this absolutely just looks uh, hilarious. It looks like it's it's right along uh, side of the first one as far as the the tone and everything they're doing there. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for it, and I, I'm really curious to see um, you know where these other ones are going to go. Like, is the X Force going to be? Does that fall into the R rated territory as well, or does that one step into more of a PG thirteen? Like, if Deadpool's around, does it always, by default, have to turn into an R rated film? And I just don't know. Like, I'm not exactly sure enough about that character or how he works. But um, I, I think it's interesting, and I love that they're continuing down the road. So I will say that the trailer's pretty R rated, at least oh, yeah. from a language perspective. And, well, even uh, even the 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 non red band, like the green band trailer that played before Ready Player One with my kids, I was like, oh, they're still saying some words in here that I wish was not in a regular trailer. <laughs> right? <laughs> Did oh. they have the gunshot where he puts his hand up? And uh, no, that was not okay. So there's a gunshot in in the trailer yeah. that I saw where he puts his hand up to a gun. The cable's gun right. shoots through his hand. And then Deadpool 
turns the gun around, breaking Cable's wrist, and shoots Cable in the head with it. All in the trailer. I, don't, I think I saw that in the red band trailer when right. I watched it, but not in the in the green band. Um, <laughs> which is probably best that my kids didn't watch that. But um, yeah, and that's all out there. It's going to be intensely rated R again, which is again, I think the comic book cinematic universe needs this awesome spectrum for the movies one other piece that i want to say about it before we go the director is david either leach or leich um who has a background as a uh as a stuntman and his he's only got five director credits but um one of them is atomic blonde and another one is john wick he's uncredited as as a director in john wick and but he is he did director's atomic blonde and i will tell you that of the last year atomic blonde is probably my favorite action film so i'm very excited to see what he brings to this movie in terms of action coming from a stuntman background and deadpool one was directed was a first time uh movie for uh i think his name is jim miller i want to get back to but um the fact that they're using deadpool as this kind of like creative place for directors to show their stuff i'm kind of excited about what's going to happen from an action perspective in this movie because atomic blonde's action is just fantastic and that's still something I haven't seen, uh, regrettably. Oh. I know, I know. It's wow. high on my list. I was going to say, I think it's as as valuable as Wonder Woman in terms of feminism oh, wow. for action women on screen. What were you going to say about Deadpool 2? When does it come out? Oh, it is May or June. Let me get it here. Um, 18th of May, 2018. Excellent. Here we come. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. What's your and, uh, well, I went a totally different route. Um, okay. I, I'm doing a, a biopic. It's kind of a, a comedy drama uh, biopic. Um, and I, I went with this because, um, as people who listen to the show know, I'm quite the fan of Melissa McCarthy. I think she's just a brilliant actress. I, I love watching her. I think she's hilarious. She's, she's not afraid to be raunchy and just go down <laughs> very strange roads. Uh, I, I really think that she's just, uh, you know, somebody who I find uh, special to watch. I, I have always a great time watching her. Um, and this new film looks really interesting. It's called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Okay. And it's a biopic. She's playing an author, Lee Israel, who her books have kind of uh, fallen out of favor. She's, you know, her her uh, publisher, um, played by Jane Curtin, is just like, you know, you got to find something else. No one's just buying your stuff anymore. And um, she finds this letter that is a um, uh, it's like a, a letter that some author had written and and she sells it and she finds out she can make money selling these things. And so she basically turns her career into forging fake letters from authors and selling them for money. And it turns into <laughs> this quite lucrative career. And she's just like making a ton of money doing it. And, and uh, you know, she paired with her uh, her friend played by Richard E. Grant, who's just always fun to watch on screen. He's just, he's never disappointed in whatever he is. And I know eventually Pete's going to get us to talk about Hudson Hawk at some point, which he'll Very be good. the highlight for me of, of rewatching that film because he's just so over the top. Uh, but, and he looks great as her friend here. And of course, you know, things start, uh, you know, the FBI eventually is pursuing her and it turns into this whole thing. And it just, 
watching uh, Melissa McCarthy in this trailer, just, uh, you know, I love seeing her playing something that's so different from what she's been doing when she's uh, doing some of the more raunchy comedies that she's uh, been enjoying. And uh, this is just like a real kind of a centered character that's going through this crisis. And you see a lot of it uh, as she plays through it. So uh, Mariel Heller is directing it. She is, uh, I think, mostly known as an actress, um, but she did uh, uh, direct The Diary of a Teenage Girl a few years back and she's one of those kind of multi-talented people who's you know been at the Sundance uh, screenwriting fellowship and directing fellowship and and she's just one of those people who uh, people are really watching and so um, she's behind it and I'm very curious about this what do you think well now is this Melissa is this going to be Melissa McCarthy's you know Tom Hanks Jim Carrey turn into more serious film I I feel like she I mean maybe as a lead you know, she's she, she certainly has played in more serious films before um, she was, but but not necessarily as the lead, like when she was in St. Vincent, um, which was uh, uh, that Bill Murray, largely a Bill Murray film. She was the um, she was the kid's mother. And and there was a little more. I mean, there's still some comedy in that film, but I think it, it took a little more of a serious tone. Um, so she's she's done it before. And. Um, I, I think that, and it, honestly, if you go back to some of her earlier films, um, there are some films in there that are a little more, uh, uh, you know, walking the line of comedy drama. Um, so it's a, it's a little, it's an interesting thing to see, but as a lead, yes, I think this is largely kind of a, a chance for her to kind of have that breakout opportunity to do something a little more, um, expansive. Well, I think it's really interesting and I think it, it sounds like it's such an interesting life story. It's, it's a, it's a biopic that I, I think is just interesting on its, on its lonesome. And I think it's really interesting that she's going to do it when I actually read, about, I, I went to the. Uh, Wikipedia page about it because I was interested about the the story, and it turned it's listed here uh, in Wikipedia. You know, who knows if it's true, but that it originally that um, it was supposed to star Julianne Moore. So, um, and then hmm. she dropped out in July of 2015, and then Melissa McCarthy came on. So that's something. The reason why I asked the first question about if this is her serious film turn is. I I think that's an interesting pairing if you consider that the line to be uh, Lee Israel started with Julianne Moore and led to Melissa McCarthy. I think it says a lot about uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy and her career. I think it's it's really special, and I'm excited to see it and see more of what she can do. Well, it looks like this one is going to be hitting theaters uh, right now. It's only showing in the U.S. Uh, as a release, um, but I'm sure it'll go elsewhere. Um, October 19th. 2018 so later this year very cool fantastic well the two movies uh worth checking out and i guess that means it's time to talk about our lists buddy that sounds great i'm excited for the list i'm i i only have i'm, I'm guessing a lot on the list so you're gonna have to give me a lot of grace about how uh, i approached <laughs> my list for this oh but i did also want to say we we um we talked about may 18th for deadpool i may yeah. be in sweden for that so you just mentioned oh. international releases i may need to see deadpool 2 in swedish that is fantastic though how exciting i'm excited for it i don't know <laughs> uh, i don't know if it'll be as funny for me in swedish but if i can get uh, some nice dubbing or, or subtitles maybe that's the way to go well Although yeah I've heard I, other curious. countries I, uh, and and other countries showing movies that are uh, violent uh, sometimes pull stuff out so I'm always curious in foreign countries because some my experience in some foreign countries is they play it in English, but you get 
your foreign subtitles in their foreign language on the bottom. It's not it's not dubbed. So yeah, uh, as as opposed to it being dubbed with with English subtitles on the bottom. So when I think Pete said he saw Logan in China, yeah, and he said it was completely different because of the stuff that they edited out. So right, I don't know. Right. We'll see. Maybe you have to see it both ways. Always interesting. Yes, indeed. Well, speaking of action and violence. Yeah. For our lists, we're doing uh, in honor of old boy, which has an incredibly wonderful uh, about two and a half minute long tracking shot down a hallway as as uh, Daisu wields his hammer against a slew of uh, of hoodlums. Um, in a in a beautiful long single take, um, we're talking about our favorite single long takes in action sequences. So, um, so I yeah. want you to start off with the list because I think that my list is going to be um, a, a little bit like a guessing game. But I want to draw attention to a lot of the action sequences that I think are special, and you can maybe confirm or deny whether or not they uh, qualify for your criteria to this list. And uh, if not, then hopefully it's just reminding folks about some great action sequences that uh, have memorable scenes that make people go, wow. Well, I yeah, and I actually took a a slightly uh, uh, modified route on mine. Um, So we both cheated is what you're saying. Well, I'm not cheating. (laughs) I'm not cheating. I just added an extra layer to mine. Okay. Um, What it is, is I um, because I have a list uh, and some like I I started with a list. I'm like, this is just my list is just growing. Like I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like eight movies on my list. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. That's great. Um, And uh, and then I'm like, you know, I want to do something a little different. And what I ended up doing with my list is because of of um, Ready Player One opening um, just yesterday or technically, I guess, Wednesday um, (laughs) here. and uh, we're chatting about it on the film board tonight. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this with Spielberg because Steven Spielberg has always been a director who sneaks like longer takes, longer shots into his films that you don't always notice. Um, okay. And and sometimes it, it, like they'll go like and sometimes it's just like a full minute or something. But sometimes he'll go like, a, you know, a couple minutes and you it, and just the way that he's moving the camera around. You don't even realize that there's no cuts. It's just very clever. And it's not necessarily overt like you're seeing in. Um, like Children of Men, where you can really tell that the that the camera man is there, and there's a lot of movement happening. Right. Um, uh, but I, I just feel like sometimes he does some really beautiful stuff in really long takes, or sometimes it's not even super long, but he's just accomplishing a lot within the time frame. And so, so I decided because of all that, I'm going to focus on him specifically for okay. my list. That sounds uh, good. So my my first one up is Saving Private Ryan, which. Uh. Uh, there's uh, there's a much longer take than the one I'm going to talk about, um, but it's a conversation um, when uh, the group joins up with Paul Giamatti. Uh, it's almost two minutes, but the one I'm going for, it's only 45 seconds, and I'm actually going to go shortest to longest with my, my uh, shots here. Uh, it's 45 seconds, but it's in the middle of an intense war scene. As you're following these guys running, they run into this house. They're they're running up the stairs. They're looking around. They're looking out the holes in the wall, and the camera kind of looks out the hole in the wall, and you see you see people shooting at them, and the camera moves back, and then the camera kind of swings, and it kind of goes out the wall uh, through a window, and you see this tank rolling up toward them. There's so much stuff happening in this shot. It does remind me quite a bit of kind of the Children of Men uh, sort of stuff, but it doesn't seem as overtly uh, in your face. 
Um, and I, but I, it, again, just watching it again is just, I'm so impressed with everything that they're accomplishing in a big war scene that is, uh, just all in this single take. I mean, the amount of work to kind of coordinate all of that I thought was really spectacular. So that's my first one. I had Saving Private Ryan on my list too. And I, I didn't remember the scene that you're talking about in particular, but I feel like there is a lot of around the time period that you're talking about, you know, 45 seconds, somewhere between 30 and 45 second shots in the initial sequence of the film as well. Um, when they're first coming to the beach that yeah. you see a lot of that. And I remember that that film had weight in the way that it was shot because it had such time with those long takes. And it, it was, it was memorable to me in that way too. So I had it like that, but I'm glad that you put it on your list because it allows me to then talk about Dunkirk and uh-huh. the five minute single take tracking shot that kind of opens up, um, the beach for Dunkirk. Um, you know, I, I, I was worried about this. This one felt like cheating for me because I felt like it wasn't necessarily action, but there's so much that ha- happens that, that takes place in this and really sets the scene for the film in terms of the, uh, emotional, uh, state that all the folks on the beach are dealing with. And, um, and it's just, it's really, you know, and I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. So, uh, it, it's a really special shot and really, um, kind of, I mean, it, it, it's almost like an overture. It's a visual overture for everything that you're going to experience in the film. And I think that's really special. I, um, yeah, it's, it, it the way it's listed on YouTube is the, uh, an atonement Dunkirk scene and it's, uh, coming through. So. Yeah, it's a it's a really great shot that um, is a it's a it's a unique way to set up the story because you're just with these three guys as you're as you're kind of um, entering this world and you're just getting a taste of what it's like and you're seeing them sneaking through and it just seems so quiet for a minute and then all of a sudden it's like they're being shot at and everything and you end up with kind of that one guy as he's trying to get down to the uh, to where everybody is it's it really was a, a great way to open the film so that's a that's an absolutely great choice yeah excellent. For my next film, I am going with uh, the 2002 film that uh, Steven Spielberg directed, uh, Minority Report. Again, there is a longer shot in this film that uh, than the one I'm going to talk about, but it's a conversation again. So the one that I'm sticking with, it's it's about a minute 13, and it is the shot when um, I'm going to – I can't remember what they are, but they're like the little spider robots that are released into the apartment complex to go scan everybody's eyes because they're trying to track where um, where uh, Tom Cruise's character is hiding. Um, and you get this – and this is one where I think Spielberg was a lot more overt with the design of the shot. It, it, it kind of goes back to that directly overhead bird's eye view kind of like what – um, Scorsese did in Taxi Driver, where you're going through walls and stuff, and and you're you're over the building as you're going from room to room, watching these little eye scanner robots crawling under doors and coming into, interrupting like um you know a mother and daughter, and the mother's holding the daughter because the daughter's freaking out, and she's just like just let it do it, just let it do it, and then you go over to the next room and you see some people having sex, and they have to stop and get scanned, and you go into the next room and it's like a couple that are having this like fight where they're about to kill each other and they stop and let them scan them and they go right back to their fight. It's just this fantastic overhead view of everything. And you end up in the, in the apartment where uh, John is hiding uh, uh, Tom Cruise's character and he's trying to like get his door. He's stuffing um, uh, towels at the bottom of his door so they can't get in before he has to go hide in the bathtub. And, 
you know, it's, it's, it's so exciting. Like in the action moment, as you're watching these things and you're seeing it, it's like you are as invasive as these robots. And that's what I love about the way that he designed this particular shot. So that's my second one minority report. Well, that's super smart. And, um, uh, and it, again, I, I feel like, I feel like I, we shouldn't be breaking up your list cause it's all Spielberg. <laughs> cause you're getting, <laughs> you're getting more, uh, you're more thematic in that. Um, uh, but I think that's, uh, super smart and used and uses a little bit of more, um, uh, technology to, uh, uh, accomplish what, what he's doing in terms of a shot that, and some of the other things that we might be talking about in this list. Um, right. As as you're talking as well, uh, I'm looking at um, at the, the thing that I was just talking about in Dunkirk, and potentially the long shot that I'm talking about is actually from Atonement and not from Dunkirk. Well, Atonement has a really long shot, uh, definitely, like where you're walking along the beach and you're seeing yeah. like all the devastation and everything. Uh, I and, looked and, it up. Uh, I looked it up looking for a, the the long scene from Dunkirk, and it took me to uh literally a page of a five minute take of the dunkirk scene from atonement so potentially they're both important for for my place on this list um but uh, oh, so- that's that's possible but i i i do feel and maybe i'm misremembering but i thought um the dunkirk uh open i thought the open of dunkirk was one long shot but maybe now i'm misremembering it because i'm that's because exact- you got me stuck that's what i'm point. nervous about too so yeah. anyway i just wanted to, to mention that so the next one on my list is again kind of cheap in terms of calling about it action but it's from uh, baby driver and uh last year uh, baby driver was actually my favorite movie of last year and it starts with this elaborate um sort of it's it's almost like a dance sequence right at the beginning where it's choreographed as as our main character as baby walks through to get coffee for the crew um for the you know the the heist guys that uh, that he's working with on this film and it's done it's all choreographed to music and it's all shot in one long take as he walks through and around people and kind of shows the way that he smoothly operates through life in this really cool long one take sequence on the front end of the film and it uh, again uh, totally a tone setter in the film to look at how how slick and well shot that movie was by uh, edgar wright um it was my favorite movie because of the way they integrated music because of the way they integrated uh, choreography and that long take uh was something that was really special for me in uh, baby driver as well that's um yeah it's a it's a great choice um it wasn't my favorite film from last year um by any stretch i i, I it's in fact it's probably my least favorite Edgar oh Wright no film. really yeah but yeah yeah i i mean i enjoyed it but i just ended up having a lot more problems with it than anything else that he's done um that being said it it certainly warrants another viewing because i i think even when he's making a film that i'm not as in love with I think his cinematic prowess as he's putting a film together is top notch. And for me, the scene when they're um, uh, having the the post robbery shootout uh, set to uh, Hocus Pocus is, yeah. I think, just mesmerizing. And it's just so well done. I have such a great time watching as John Hamm is running around blasting set to that music. Just just <laughs> total. That's a kick. I'm going to go get the vinyl for Baby Driver, actually, because the the soundtrack is spectacular. All right. Well, for my my final pick, I'm going with one, and I guess you could say it's a little bit of a cheat, um, but technically it's not. I mean, in a film with in an action sequence in a long take, this definitely fits the bill. It just all happens to be animated. This is uh, Spielberg's oh. uh, 2011 film, The Adventures of Tintin, which sure. uh, you know. 
a lot of people, I don't know. I, I don't know if it didn't click with a lot of people, but I had just an absolute blast with this film. I knew, I, I knew who Tintin was. I didn't really ever read any of the books. Um, but the kids and I went to it and we had so much fun with this movie. It's just, it's like, it's like their own little Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of thing. You know, it's a kid adventurer and watching, watching this film, I think is just a, just a real treat. And there is one scene after they, um, after Tintin, uh, well, the bad guys are getting away and it's, I, I think they're on like this. I can't remember if it's an Island or whatever it is, but it's, it's something where it's set there at the top of a big hill and, and at the very bottom of the hill is the ocean and the whole thing is city between. And you have this amazing, amazing chase as it starts off with the bad guys getting away and Tintin and, uh, his dog, they, they get whatever it is that the bad guys have. I can't remember what it is, but it's some treasure. They get it from the bad guys. And then the bad guys have a Falcon and the Falcon gets it from Tintin. And it's, it's ah. going back and forth as they're key, as they continue trying to get it from the other all the way as you're chasing them down the hill to get to the boats at the bottom. And it is just a masterful, masterful single shot that is like two minutes and 32 seconds long. It is so uh, gorgeous. And it's so fun. It just totally fits the vibe of the film in a way that just, uh, I think just made this action sequence just super, super exciting. And it's, uh, you know, the, what they do here, I think is just, um, really, it makes for a great time. So, um, that's my, uh, my final pick. It's the adventures of Tintin. Two well, minutes, 32 seconds. I don't think that's cheating because I think that's kind of the spirit of what we're talking about in a long time. Oh, yeah. Right. It's just animated, but you know, I was like, you know, just because it's animation doesn't mean that it's cheating. You know, that it still requires a ton of work to make sure that everything is coordinated, right? Well, definitely. And you know, we we haven't talked about. I'm really happy that I'm on the sat map that works with this because, um, you know, we can talk about my the oneer that I shot for American Crime. Um, oh right, yeah. It was almost five minutes long on TV. Um, when we talk about coordination, you know, that was shot in Austin in a theater with uh, ten dancers, seven hundred and fifty extras, uh, and it was a five minute one take, one shot that we shot. I think we rehearsed it for almost twelve hours the day before we shot it, and then on the day we shot it, we did it. I think a grand total of ten times. So five, a five minute dance sequence that we shot and, and we probably would have shot it more times had, uh, had it not, had it been possible for the dancers, but it was so intense and so much going on that there is a lot, there's so much to work out when you're doing that. And in general, in the industry, I will say from, from a camera guy perspective, most camera operators don't want to be part of long takes because it's, it's so hard to do everything correctly the longer that you're uh, running with action on there. So it's, um, it, it's a, it's a real accomplishment when you do it. If, if people want to check that out, you can find it on YouTube under American crime season two, episode five, or a long dance sequence. And that's uh, again, not action, but, um, but something to show uh, a long take on TV. The last one that I wanted to talk about was, um, was crouching tiger, hidden dragon. And I think that um, this is a little bit of a, a, a different and it is a cheat because I don't, I don't really know if there's one sequence that's particularly a long take that I want to talk about. But one thing that was really special to me about that movie, and I almost always go to that movie when we talk about action and my favorite action movies, because I remember sitting in the theater and watching the camera just set up and stay still. 
to watch so much beautiful choreography from an action standpoint on screen. The particular um, scene that I'm thinking of is when um, the Jade Jade Dragon and um, and the, um, the the main character Jen are fighting with um, with the there's a sort of soldier that's track to trying to track her down and it's at night and it takes a while before the main character comes in and literally they just set the camera up and sit there and we watch them fight and watch the choreography go forward. There was so much wow that was happening on screen that a lot of the camera aspect was just allowing us to see it. And I don't think I had ever seen action done that way and choreograph- choreographed that way. I, uh, some time ago we talked about on um, Instagram about what makes a great action uh, f- film for me. And in general, the things that happened in Crouching Tiger where I had multiple times where I just said, wow, where it just felt like a, a roller coaster of action that I had never seen before in a way that I had never seen before in these sort of long set pieces that were open to allowing me to experience the action. Um, made Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon a very special action movie for me. The other, uh, maybe other set piece that I remember that again, I don't think there's one long set piece in it, but there are one long shot, but there's uh, it's such a, a set piece is when Jen is finally adventuring. She, all she's ever wanted to do is adventure. And she brings the green destiny along with her. And she goes into a sort of a, 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 a bar where a lot of adventurers kind of mercenaries are hanging out and everybody just, kind of treats her poorly because she's a young girl and then she just destroys the bar with with the sword um it that kind of stuff i hadn't seen in american action movies before and that movie changed the way that i watched action movies and there's so many long set pieces filled with great action that made me want to talk about it anytime we're talking about something that involves action in film it's a great movie i haven't seen it in ages but i do remember when i saw it in theaters it was one i returned to three or four times in theaters just because i was just really taken by the world that uh that they had set up here i I had such a fantastic time with it um and i can't remember uh, specifically with any of the action sequences if any of them are long takes either but i do remember just being really mesmerized by what they were doing there so uh yeah great choice uh so well yeah that's it so kind of cheating that we'll see maybe the other guys will give me crap about it but you know i i I don't remember it well enough to say if it's cheating or not, but <laughs> in spirit though, let me just, I'm going to read through the titles of the other ones that I came up with yeah. just, just to at least say, throw these out there. Um, contact rate, the raid Two, atonement, which was on my list, which, uh, you already mentioned hard boiled paths of glory, snake eyes, the revenant and Hannah. So those were some other great, uh, great, uh, films with long takes that I, I recall. So, the other things that were on my list were more to that sort of realm of, of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I, I, I can't remember the spe- specific long sequences in it, but I had Kill Bill on the list. Um, thinking about oh, yeah. um, when that, they go into the, um, the, what's that place called? Uh, I'm not sure, <laughs> but when Uma Thurman in, at the end of Kill Bill volume one, where they have the big fight sequence in the snow with, mm-hmm. um, with Uma Thurman coming. I mean, there's so many great action sequences in Kill Bill that it's, uh, it deserves a noting. And then also the matrix. I don't think anything in the matrix is a long shot and that's why I didn't want to bring it up here. But it, when Neo and Trinity first walk into the scene where there, there's the metal detectors and we see them, uh, running around and just the immense amount of shell casings that are dropped and all the different things that happen in that or even in the matrix 2 where they're fighting the two long-haired white 
dreadlocked guys uh, in that sort of one room. There's just so many great action sequences there that uh, in both of those, I, I wasn't comfortable picking a long take because I don't think enough of that happens. But there's so many great action se- uh, set pieces in those movies that I thought they were worth noting as well. Those are those are some. I'm trying to. I'm just. I, I got stuck uh, thinking about um, the Matrix, and I'm trying to remember. I feel like the ones that I remember being longer in the matrix are really more where it's, it's using that fantastic technique where the camera, like the, the way the camera moves around, like the, the one where they're fighting in the subway or something. But I, I can't remember if there were specifically long, um, uh, long takes, but uh, yeah, great choices though. I just all, all great films, really exciting things to watch. And I think it just goes to show when filmmakers take their tools and they really work hard to to give you something like this, uh, I think it just makes it that much more cinematic. I think that's what uh, what stands out, and I think that's why, like the director you worked with uh, in that TV show, chose to do that because it does lend a cinematic feel to it. It's yeah. not just straight up TV storytelling, and that's I think what make films something that is a, a special medium because you can do things like this so. and did we talk about who that was so that the showrunner on american crime was uh, john ridley from right, 12, yeah, yeah. 12 years a slave and then the the director was rachel morrison who is was the director for um for black panther so i mean a really great crew of super creative uh young uh, you know really innovative filmmakers um and so glad that they brought it to tv and love the things they're bringing to film too well, so for next week, um, we're we're finishing our Vengeance trilogy with Lady Vengeance. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I know it starts out with uh, a wrongful arrest. A woman is arrested for a crime she didn't commit, and uh, and then she, when she's finally released, she goes on revenge against the people who did commit the crime. Um, over on our Slack group, uh, Nick Langdon suggested we do uh, women in prison films, which I think is is pretty funny. Unfortunately, I don't think I've really seen any women in prison movies. Oh, I know. Uh, Orange than- is the new black, and that doesn't count. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I think... Uh, and I you said Slack. You mean do- Discord, right? On Discord. Yeah, right. right. Um, I was thinking, what if we just did uh, films where, you know, wrongful arrests? And, oh, yeah. Uh, I think that allows for quite a lot of uh, fantastic choices. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I'm thinking of what I would apply to that. There's, again, I might try to cheat a little bit and maybe do a little <laughs> bit of criminalized hero. I like, I like the first thing that you think of is, yeah. how can I cheat on this list? <laughs> <laughs> Just subvert it a little bit if I oh, can. Oh, fantastic. So funny. <laughs> Well, right. I think it was, uh, yeah, it was a uh, great chatting with you today, JJ. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad to, to have you uh, on the sad mat. Do it whenever I can. Excellent. And for all of you out there uh, who are, are tuning in, you are one of our Patreon supporters and we greatly appreciate you and the support you provide. So thank you so much for, uh, for being a part of this and, and helping us with our show and tuning in. Thank you. Other than, other than that, I guess that's it. So uh, we'll see you next time, JJ. Have a great Saturday. All right. Bye. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. 
Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.